thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by physical therapist, Dr. Matthew Perry. Matthew and I had a great conversation around chronic pain, the beliefs that we develop around injuries, functional movement, and ultimately how to become more resilient athletes and humans. Whether you are an athlete dealing with an injury, have dealt with an injury, or are a clinician or a coach, I think you'll find this information highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matthew, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing very well, Brianne. Thank you so much for having me on. You are quite welcome. I'm super excited for this discussion. We connect, well, we've connected another number of times over the phone, but most recently we're talking about what you're doing as a clinician, as a coach um, with your athletes. And it's very similar, I guess, to what I'm doing, or we have very similar thought processes. So I'm excited to get you on here and just have a fun conversation about um, that in particular and that, you know, creating resilient athletes and just really becoming better humans. Um, Absolutely. It's, uh, it's really nice and refreshing to find somebody, um, you know, like yourself, you know, who, who has a similar approach. You know, I think, um, I think this is maybe a growing trend that of uh, physical therapists and, uh, you know, strength coaches and, you know, the like, you know, kind of merging a lot of the different disciplines. Um, so this is wonderful. What got you going that route? Because you went to PT school, just like any PT. Um, most, well, I shouldn't say that. Well, yeah, I'm going to say that. Most PTs, myself included, came out of PT school, went to a normal physical therapy job. You did not do that. What was your decision in deciding to do something different and out of the norm? Well, a uh, couple things, actually. Um, I've been in the strength and conditioning field as a personal trainer and, um, you know, strength coach, all of those kind of things, group fitness coach uh, for the past about seven years. Um, so, so fitness is a huge part of my life and I was going through PT school and, you know, I was getting, you know, I had great professors and, you know, I, I regret nothing from it, but you know, what I was expecting when I got into PT school was now we're going to analyze a squat or we're going to analyze a functional movement and we're going to, what are the muscles that are active? What are the muscles that aren't active? And that just simply, I don't believe happened one time. And so I was like, huh, that's kind of strange. Um, the, the other thing, um, if I may share, uh, about, I think it was about 2013. Um, so yeah, about when I started with the, the, the strength coach stuff, uh, I, was, I was playing rugby at my school at Washington State University. And I started having a lot of pain down my leg. And I was trying to figure out what was going on with that. Um, I never had any pain anywhere else, just kind of down my leg. I almost felt like it was asleep. I got an MRI and my medical doctor told me, well, Matthew, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you have two herniated discs in your back. And, you know, me at the time, you know, being, being pretty young, I was about 23 you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, what does that mean for me? And my doctor said, well, if you like your back, you will never lift weights again. You will never, um, you'll never play sports again. I'm like, Oh wow. I don't want to end up, you know, I, I was thinking I could be paralyzed or something like that, you know? Um, so it, it was, it was very, very scary for me. So between the strength coach stuff, 
as well as my personal experiences with, with healthcare, you know, I really had to think that there was a better way, um, a better way to treat. Um, this is just from my perspective. We, we were taught that your back is kind of like a credit card that you don't want anymore and are trying to break. And you move the credit card back and forth, back and forth. And then at one point when you don't even know it, it, it snaps, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever heard that analogy before. And that, that analogy was kind of what, what, was, what was told to me, you know, in so many words with, uh, with my doctor. And, you know, what I've learned through practice is, and through my own experiences with my back, that just simply isn't so. You know, the, the back doesn't just snap at, at one point. You know, it's very, very strong, very, very resilient. Um, so that's kind of what started getting me thinking that, that there was another way. Hopefully I wasn't, uh, too long. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I appreciate that story. And I'm curious with that, cause so many people are told that by their physicians, you know, don't deadlift, don't squat, don't do the, don't run like you name it. We hear it. What went through your head when you heard that and kind of what did you, what, Obviously, you're act very active, so we know what your ultimate decision was. But what did like what did you do at that moment? Um, well, it was very very interesting because reflecting back on it, um, of course, I wasn't lifting weights because I was scared to death of of lifting anything besides you know a pencil from the ground. Um, but you know, I was my pain got much worse. That's something that was very interesting. Um, just just right after that, my pain just got so much, so much worse. I didn't know why um, at the time. You know, I, I, I felt trapped, honestly. You know, I was a very active guy um, and now saying you can't do anything. You know, that's like, like saying to a musician, you can't play your instrument anymore, you know? Um, so yeah, just, uh, just a, lot of, a lot of bad things going through my head. Um, you know, as, as you said, you know, um, I have really gotten out of that cycle and I started treating my back and that's why I feel I am uh, very good with treating the chronic conditions that we treat within my company um, is because I worked on my back and it wasn't going lifting 350 pounds immediately. It was building myself back up, um, but giving myself the power and the control to uh, uh, both psychologically and physically to, to, to make sure that I pretty much move pain free now that answers your question <laughs> yeah and that's great to I think that's great to share because like I've never been told by a physician like you, sh you shouldn't be doing these things I've been anything I've had over the years has been very proactive people but so hearing that perspective from a therapist from a coach who's got that answer and then also continued on to to get back to activity and how they did it is great so you mentioned earlier and I know this too that in PT school we don't really learn how to move functionally. We don't learn the squat, deadlift, all of that. Like that was stuff I had learned on my own later on. I'm sure you did as well. What was that process like for you? Was it just you knowing your body and how to move? Was it classes you took? How did you learn how to move properly? Well, that's a great question. Throughout school with, you know, my own, you know, uh, 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 things going into school that I've kind of previously talked about. Um, like I said, there, 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 I knew there had to be a better way. Um, so I started experimenting and kind of testing on myself. Well, they say lifting things from the ground, which is nothing more than a deadlift, 
is bad for us in school, let's put that to the test. And so I loaded myself, <laughs> uh, you know, with you know, 100, 120 pounds, you know, which is a lot for people, you know, someone who, who hadn't lifted much um, uh, since that diagnosis. And um, I was like, oh, that's not bad. Um, the, 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 the biggest thing though, was I noticed when I wasn't sitting in the classroom and when I was doing just other things, my back didn't hurt. So, you know, again, it's kind of just like this, this small awakening. Um, and then from, from, from then on, it was like, let's build on this. Let's keep going. You know, I started kind of working with some of my other classmates, you know, with, uh, with my philosophy as well. Um, they're ailments started getting better. Um, I started going diving deep into the research to say, you know, or to see, you know, what evidence is there that says, you know, deadlifting is inherently bad for us. You know, it's like, because we've been lifting things from the ground for, you know, a very, very long time. I believe we've been human, considered human, for about 200,000 years. (laughs) (laughs) Most of that time we were lifting heavy baskets from the ground, you know, carcasses, animal, you know, that kind of stuff. Why is it in the past 20 years that, you know, um, this is all of a sudden bad for us. And, you know, I I haven't found a ton of research, you know, supporting that lifting anything is bad for us in a certain way. So, yeah, that's awesome. So when I'm sure you with, you deal with a lot of chronic pain people, a lot of people with injuries like this, what's that conversation like with them who they're afraid to lift, they're afraid to move. And how do you get them to be comfortable doing that again? Yeah. Um, well, dealing with people who suffer from chronic pain, chronic shoulder pain, chronic back pain, hip, you know, knee, ankle, you know, whatever the case is, um, most of the time when they get to me, they're kind of at the end of their rope, right? You know, I don't know if you've, uh, you know, experienced that same thing. You know, they failed the other modalities, you know, traditional physical therapy, traditional you know, chiropractic or acupuncture, you know, whatever the case is, Um, not speaking ill of any discipline. It's just, you know, um, it was not working for them. Um, So, you know, what I, what I start with is acknowledging their pain because a lot of people, um, including myself, you know, at subsequent appointments after my diagnosis, I've been told this stuff was all in my head, you know? Um, And I, I, do think a lot of chronic pain people have 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 heard that before in in some words or another, you know. So so we acknowledge, um, and then we, you know, start moving in very very you know small ways to try to empower the person to see that, you know, hey, I can move like this and that's not bad, you know. I can move a little bit from side to side, totally fine. Okay, great. You know, um, let's stick with that. Next session, hey, that was great. You know, I'm now moving from side to side a lot more. Um, okay, let's move forward and back. And now we're getting kind of towards the deadlift, right, with the hip hinge and things like that. Oh, okay, okay. You know, and then, then we load it and, you know, uh, so on and so forth. Um, So it definitely does take, you know, uh, baby steps and it definitely takes time, right? Um, In my practice, I see people once a week to give them the time to work on the things that they need to work on. And that's not a hard and fast rule. You know, sometimes people need 
a couple times a week, whatever the case is. But it, it is mostly for me um, acknowledging and then showing them because I can't tell them deadlifting's fine when they think that they hurt their back deadlifting, right? Um, <laughs> it just doesn't work well. Um, so, so, so those are, those are a couple of the processes that, um, that I utilize in my practice. And I think that is maybe a little bit different than, than how other people approach things. Yeah. And I think the empowerment aspect is huge because you can tell someone all day that, no, you're fine. You can move, even though your doctor said you shouldn't do this. Like this is a normal human function, but to have them experience that gives them so much more confidence and empowerment with that. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really is baby steps. And, um, um, in your practice, do you kind of see the same thing, you know, with people who have chronic conditions, you know, just being very, very, you know, we'll call it guarded, guarded, you know, muscles really tight. Um, and, and then being afraid to move. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of the avoidance movement avoidance factor going on with, because of fear for sure. How do you go from, I guess, what's your method of teaching proper movement? Cause you and I both know that we get in these really bad movement patterns mm. really early on that contributes to a lot of these injuries that we have and breaking some of those patterns can be very difficult. What are some of your, whether it's cues or processes to kind of break some of those down? Great question. These questions are phenomenal, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I like to kind of break it down into a couple different things. And, and first for me, my biggest thing is what I call body awareness. Okay. You feeling within yourself, um, what, what I am demonstrating to you. And I know I can get a little abstract. I'll, I'll, I'll get into that with, for instance, a, a deadlift, you know, there's so many different components and it can become overwhelming. And you and I have been doing this stuff for years and years and years. This person may have never, never done a hip hinge before. So in order to, for them to, to, to fully understand, you know, they need to feel it. Am I right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, so what, you know, what, what, what I try to teach is them becoming self-aware of their body and what a hip hinge feels like, what raising your arches feels like, what bringing your shoulders down and back to activate, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of your supporting musculature feels like. And then after they have that body awareness, um, in my experience, it, everything else becomes easy because really most of your movements, you know, aside from maybe running, um, are the same, you know, for a deadlift, your shoulders should be down and back, you know, set, not a hundred percent, you know, 5%, right? 5% <laughs> on increasing with uh, whatever load you're moving. You know, um, your arches should be raised, your, your, uh, your, your hips, you know, you should be doing a proper hip hinge, you know, um, um, all, all of that, um, all, all of that translates, right? You know, and then to, to a bench press, even, you know, you're still pushing through the floor with your feet, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing for me because my goal, you know, and everyone says I'm really corny with it is I want to try to treat myself out of a profession. You know, I, I, I truly do. I want to empower my patients and give them what they need in order for them to keep seeing me if they need to, and if they are sorry, if they want to, but not needing to see me having the basic foundations of how to work. You know, if I work with someone on their back, 
you know, and then their shoulder hurts, be like, oh yeah, okay. So Dr. Matt, that's what, you know, they call me in the clinic. Dr. Matt showed me shoulders down and back with my core and my back. Now they can, now, now I can work on that with my shoulder, you know, for instance. Um, so, so yes, that, uh, that, that body awareness is huge. And then moving on to body mechanics, you know, then you're loading things and then you are, um, challenging these small nuanced things in, um, in, in, in different, in different settings, you know? So instead of a regular deadlift, you're now doing a suitcase carry deadlift, which is holding the kettlebell, or the dumbbell on one side. And so now you have to not only, uh, fight the forward and back, you have to fight the side to side, you know, the frontal and sagittal plane movements. That's just a general outline of, of, of how I approach movement. Yeah. I like that. I'm curious. And part of my curiosity comes from, I love foot and ankle stuff. Um, the other part is very rarely do I talk to people who are in tune to making sure those, the feet are in a good position when you're doing movement. How much emphasis do you give foot, um, like proper foot training um, into what you do with your um, therapy and movement patterns? Mm. Um, pretty much every patient I deal with, whether it is neck <laughs> or whether it is foot, um, we're dealing with something um, with, with the feet. You know, as everyone can understand, um, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. And so whether you are going top down or bottom up, um, it doesn't really matter but the forces are always going through the feet, right? And so if you have a poor position with your feet and you're trying to move, um, you're already at a disadvantage. And so what's gonna happen? You know, if your feet aren't in a proper position, then your you know, knees and hips start taking on load that they otherwise wouldn't be taking on. Lower back, you know, most people in America have lower back pain and that can stem from, from, from things that happen at the foot and ankle. Um, so, you know, it, it is, you know, it is so important because otherwise uh, someone gave me this analogy and I can't, can't remember who told me. Um, but if you have improper foot mechanics, you, it's, it's kind of like shooting a bazooka off of a dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, hopefully that kind of illustrates, you know, um, you know, the, the importance of it. Yeah, and I, I love that you address that because um, I always compare, the analogy I always use is your feet are like the foundation of a building. You have a weak foundation, that building's going to crumble eventually. Wonderful. Same thing with the body. If you have a weak foundation of your feet, something's going to give. And yeah, it may even be up to the neck, which you don't, a lot of people don't attribute that relationship there, but it's, you know, it's all connected. I mean, absolutely. You know, um, there's been research showing that, you know, if my left foot is weak, that that can manifest into right shoulder pain, you know, um, or, you know, neck pain, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, the, the, the whole system is important for every part of the body. The foundation is wonderful. I like that analogy as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> When thinking about what you do as a clinician or as a strength coach, what are some of the things that really stand out, um, maybe unique factor that you know other clinicians, at least in your area, or people that you communicate with aren't doing that you feel are really effective? Well, I think it is easy to say to someone, oh, it's mostly mental, you know, oh, it's, you know, 
it, it you know, the, the game is 90% mental, you know, whatever the case is. However, I have really seen um, a lot of people in our profession, and this is not knocking anybody at all. This is just, you know, my, my um, perspective, um, maybe falling short of, of dealing what's going on, you know, in someone's head as far as, you know, their beliefs of why they're in pain, you know, or, or what they need to do to get out of pain, right? Um, we, I see a lot of people who have, who, who, who consistently tell me, for instance, oh, my back goes out anytime I do some exercise. And, you know, as far as, you know, starting to, you know, really, really challenge those beliefs, I say, you know, well, where does your back go when it goes out? You know, and of course, a joking manner and, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it gets some thinking that, hey, maybe this isn't a spontaneous thing that's happening that's completely out of our control. You know, maybe our um, back is going out because uh, we, you know, have some coordination, you know, issues or, you know, we talk about a lot of weakness within the body. Maybe something like that's going on. Maybe tightness, you know, um, you know, if that's all uh, person specific. But I think the beliefs are all the same. And if you empower people uh, to take control of their care, um, they are much, they, you see results a lot better, a lot quicker. Um, I don't know if you've had experience with that, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what brings to mind when you say a lot of this is just how much we're fighting all the other things that they've been told for years is not just from the physicians, but the chiropractor, maybe another physical therapist, friends, family, um, for years they're told all these things of, like you said, the back going out or like to avoid things and all these just different myths about their pain. And there is a lot that happens in the mental side of things to not say create the pain because the pain was there to take them somewhere in the first place, but to make that pain continue to be lasting. Absolutely. You are 100% right with that. Um, and you know, us or, you know, sorry, people, this is uh, past me, um, you know, as, as, as patients, you know, uh, you know, we, we don't know any better, you know, um, at, at, you know, at that time I sure didn't, you know, so, um, what did I do? I sat and was definitely afraid to do anything, including walking upstairs with my back. And what also happened, my pain got worse. And because I was sitting, my pain got even worse, you know, and you, and you kind of get into this cycle. And so it does become an uphill battle when you, uh, when, when, when the patient encounters a therapist or a clinician who has a different approach. Um, but, you know, hopefully what we are able to do with our, uh, with our people is, um, you know, facilitate this, this buy-in, you know, that, that, Hey, this is different. Let's give this a shot and see what happens. Um, and I have some people who are still a little skeptical, <laughs> but they're like, Matthew, I haven't been able to run in five years. Um, you know, you've seen me for four, four sessions and I'm running again, you know? Um, so we, you and I, um, I believe are, a wonderful uh, vehicle for change in this because otherwise we're just maintaining the status quo. And I don't think that's helping people to the best ability that they can be helped. And I love that you pointed out the effectiveness of it. Cause I'm the same way. I'll get people who have failed therapy for years, have gone to multiple people 
And yeah, three or four visits, they're back to full function, no problem. And um, I really think it's because what you do and what I do that we're truly addressing movement patterns. We're truly addressing that root cause of what's causing things, not just figuring out or not just isolating on the symptoms themselves and trying to calm those down and hope that helps. Exactly. Exactly. Um, because otherwise we're just putting a bandaid on a problem. And if it's just a bandaid, eventually it's going to happen again and again and again. And sometimes it will happen worse, you know, and, and, you know, that's what we are doing everything we can to try to avoid. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think the typical medical model um, of healthcare is set up for real individual individuality, you know, um, whereas you and I can, 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 can spend the time um, with someone to really understand why they are in pain, right? Uh, it's not a cookie cutter formula or a system because, you know, a thousand people can have back pain and there can be a thousand different causes of that back pain, physical or non-physical. Yeah. And I think it's important to point out that that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, it's like, I always bash people going or like the whole, like, let's go to YouTube to find answers. And then I remember I have videos on YouTube, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, same factor of like, just because these exercises helped one person doesn't mean it's going to help you because everyone's problem is different. It's caused by something different. And we can't just like, search for exercises for back pain or knee pain or whatever, and expect that to work necessarily. You might get lucky, but that's definitely not going to be the majority. I don't think. No, absolutely not. It might feel good for for a minute. Um, And like you said, you might get lucky, you might hit the lottery with that. And that did address your back pain. Um, But no, I mean, uh, we, we are all individuals. We are all, are all very, um, uh, very specific in our own way. You know, um, there was an interesting um, study, and I'll see if I can dig it up for you. You know, they, they, they looked at the patient, and they looked at their family history, and they determined that if your family member had, uh, had X amount of surgeries, you were more likely to have X amount of surgeries, right? You know, so that just shows that, you know, it is likely not because of the tissue that's, you know, um, um, that's at fault. You know, it's, it, it can be your beliefs. It can be all, all these other things that we can address in the clinic that, that aren't pharmacological <laughs> or, um, or cookie cutter. Yeah. And there's so much, I don't know. I, I like to have that genetics conversation a lot because so many people it's like, well, I have this, this, and this because of like my grandma did and, and all this and the other, but like you always have to, or at least for me, what I'm always talking about and rem- reminding people of is like, you learn from the people you're around and watch and do like, think of how you wash dishes and laundry. Like you probably did it how your parents did, you know, like you do things based on what you observe. So if you're observing movement patterns, if you're observing like eating habits, this sort of thing, and that's what you pick up, you're going to have those same problems. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the body is a very, very interesting thing. And we are only at in the uh, very beginning stages of understanding it and, and why we become who, who we are, right? Um, because the opposite can happen as well. A lot of people I see can, you know, are, are like, my mother went through these things, arthritis and all this kind of stuff. 
I don't want that to happen to me. So I'm trying to address this, you know, today and right now, not, you know, not years from now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, that, that's another good point. You know, physical therapy can be very preventative as opposed to rehabilitative exclusively. Right. We can work with you if, if, if you get injured. Um, however, ideally let's prevent the injury from ever occurring. Right. And unfortunately the way the healthcare system is if, like, I mean, it's a beauty of what I do being cash pay that I can do with that preventive side of things and that like stay ahead of the curve. But unfortunately it's our healthcare system is a very reactive system and that's what gets reimbursed for. So to prevent a lot of this stuff is as a practitioner can be very difficult. Yes, absolutely. You know, and, and unfortunately we are forced into this, uh, this other realm, um, of, uh, like you say, cash pay and, uh, you know, but luckily as healthcare practitioners, we can, you know, work uh, with our patients on, you know, potentially getting them reimbursed. Um, for something, but you know, at the same time, you you can't put a price mm-hmm. on being able to get your life back and 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 being able to do the things that you want to do, or again, preventing that fifteen thousand dollar surgery later on, you know, right? And the months and months of excruciating rehabilitation after a surgery, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like in my opinion, it's an investment. It's not a. It's something you can't look at as well, this is expensive, you know, expensive. So I'm just going to do the wait and see thing. It's truly is an investment into your own body and your health. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we see, uh, TV as a necessity. Oh, I need that 80 inch TV with all the bells and whistles, you know, but we see, uh, unfortunately our body as an expense. Oh, I can't, you know, spend that much on this. Well, the body's the only thing that you will have, you know, forever, you know? <laughs> so, Uh, You know, so you need to, you know, just like with your car, just like with other things, you need to make sure you are doing what you can to maintain and keep it well oiled. Yeah. And that's a great point. Like how many people take care of their cars on, you know, maintenance every, whatever their mileage says they have to do and um, make sure they stay up on that. Like that's an absolute. Our bodies are much more valuable than your vehicle. (laughs) Much more, much more. Last I checked. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, so, um, so, so hopefully at some point there will be a shift, um, you know, in, in all of, uh, uh, how healthcare views, you know, views all of this. Right. Um, but until then we have to pave our own way. We have to be, you know, the pioneers and people, you know, who are okay with doing something different for the betterment of our patients and for the betterment of every, everybody else. Because what the feedback I've had from my patients is, you know, I've seen, you know, they, they've seen, you know, uh, several other therapists, you know, and none have been able to take the time and to, to, to fully understand what they're going through in order to address them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think, I don't know, they're starting to be a switch. Just, you know, you're seeing insurance companies paying for gym memberships or paying for some of the more preventive things, but it's going to be a long time before we fully make any sort of, you know, worthwhile shift, I think. Yes. I mean, absolutely. But you know, it, it takes conversations like this, right. To, you know, to let people know that this does exist. So, so then the patient can advocate and say, well, I'm spending all this, you know, on my insurance monthly and you guys aren't covering what I really need with Brian and Matthew. 
you know, what can be done about that, right? You know, so hopefully if we attack it on both sides, you know, we can, um, we can really make some, some headway because, you know, it, it's in the pa patient's best interest to find the person that is right for them. And that is across the board, whoever it is, whether it be, you know, um, a physical therapist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, um, you know, um, even, you know, the, you know, flying spaghetti monster, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever they feel, um, you know, they need is going to ultimately help them get better. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know if that's a real modality. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I'm very much like I do, I have prolotherapy on myself at times when they need to, like I'm very natural, like go to naturopath, do all the natural things. And I pay out of pocket for it. And it's like in my head, like, yeah, I could go get a surgery instead of doing prolotherapy. And that would probably maybe cost me a little bit less. Yeah. But like it's a 20, you know, any surgery is costing 20,000 plus dollars. And yep. Prolotherapy is going to cost like maybe a thousand. It's like at some point you think an insurance company would start picking these things up. Right. Some point. But, uh, you, you know, um, one, one thing, you know, about the, uh, you know, COVID-19, you know, stuff is that it is getting insurance companies talking about, um, telehealth therapy, which was not even on the table for, for likely the next several years, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and now it is on the table you know, so um, it's it's sad that it takes events like that to happen in order for there to be change. But, you know, at least there is progress, right? You know, I, I have to agree with that. I've thought the same thing with all of this. It's like, well, at least we're moving the medical field forward a little bit. <laughs> Pushing it. Yeah. Kicking and screaming and all of that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It really is. <laughs> it definitely is. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for your time today. Kind of start closing it out. Um, any final thoughts that we, anything we haven't talked about that you feel is really important to bring up when it comes to functional movement and res resiliency? Hmm. Lots of important things. I could spend all day <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, I do. If there are any, you know, people who are suffering out there, you know, encourage you to try to try to find a therapist that you know, that, that believes in, you know, some of these things such as functional movement, right? You know, these are primal movements that we do in everyday life. And so they're not bad for you. You know, we just need to learn how to do them in a controlled manner and, um, and in, in a way where, you know, maybe we're just doing body weight stuff. Maybe we're doing stuff against gravity at first and then building up. Um, but, you know, you, you can't, you can't avoid tying your shoes, right? You know, I guess you can get a little insert and slip on or something like that, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, you know, neither can most people um, avoid, you know, sitting at their kitchen counter and, and, and washing their dishes, right? You can't avoid this stuff. So why don't we get you fixed up so that you are able to do this stuff without, you know, concern? Awesome. Beautiful. I love it. Yes. If someone has any other questions for you, where can they find you? I am on all of the social medias. Um, I primarily deal with Facebook. 
Um, if you type in auto nest therapies, that's A U T O hyphen N E S S therapies. Uh, you can find me. I also have a performance group on there. Um, took a little nod at you, Brian, <laughs> inspired me to create, uh, create a group and all of that. Cause I love your, uh, your running injury support group. It's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, of course. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm on there. Um, I am, uh, constantly posting, you know, free workouts, um, you know, whatever kind of thoughts I have off the top of my head, um, unfiltered stuff, um, as well as every Friday I release, uh, um, YouTube videos on that page, which can give you, you know, ranges from how to bench press correctly, how to squat, how to improve your balance, you know, things, uh, things of that nature. And of course, anyone can reach out to me if you type in Dr. Matthew Perry. I'm typically um, on your preferred search history, your preferred search engines uh, <laughs> first page. Um, and hopefully we can um, uh, give everyone my information. I'll give everyone my personal cell phone number as well if they want to reach out. Cool. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and we'll throw it up in the show notes for this. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Of course. I'm so happy we could hop on to this. And, uh, and yeah, thank you so much. Uh, this is a wonderful podcast and uh, I'm just very, very fortunate to, to be on it. So thank you. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance where you can both join your OCR tribe as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>